I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Prep Phase podcast brought to you by Predator Gaming. I, Asa Pyra, am joined by Fabian, and we also have an interview lined up for you today with Crying from Rogue. So we're just going to go through um, and talk about his career, his life in Siege, the journey that he's had, obviously up to current day and finding himself in Rogue and going pretty well in EUL, but we'll cover the whole lot. Crying, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining us. You good today? Hello, thanks for having me. I'm uh, doing fine, yeah. How about you? Yeah, I'm good. I mean, it's my birthday today. Um, you, you've already wished me happy birthday, so you don't need to do that again. But yeah, it's a good day for me. But I'm looking forward to this one because obviously, you know, you and Fabian have been on teams together as well. So I'm sure there's a, a story or two to be shared there, Fabian. There's a reason he calls me Big Daddy. That, that's all I have well, uh, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> I mean, I said that I can't imagine crying calling many people Big Daddy because obviously, you know, crying's into his fitness. He's he's a pretty big guy himself. It's actually just optical illusions. He does a lot with cameras. He's actually 160 centimeters tall. Is that? Yeah. Is that true? He's just underneath that. And then he, he, he weighs like 45 kilos as well. I mean, every time I've but met like, you crying, you seem a lot taller than that to me. And I can remember like Fabian running away from me all the time because he was scared. <laughs> that is uh, lies and deceit and nobody believes in it. So to, <laughs> to get us underway, crying, you know, let's look back to how it all started for you. Uh, you know, getting into Rainbow Six, um, you know, there may be a lot of people who, you know, don't know your whole story because you've been around the scene for a long time. You've played, you know, National Challenger League, you've played Tier 1, you've been to, you know, major events. You've you've been sort of present for, for a lot of years now in Siege. How, how did it all get started for you? Um, I mean, I started playing Counter-Strike for like a long time. Uh, I was pretty good, but then I quitted the game because of Cheetah. Who would have thought? And then I started to play Rainbow on console. I uh, was pretty good there. Then I switched to PC, um, played national uh, leagues and stuff. And then I actually just um, asked Corey, yo, you need a player. And like he was like back in the day in Mocket Pro League. And then he said, yeah, we can trial you. Uh, I tried for them. It worked out. And I immediately joined them. Well, the season, like... Um, didn't really work out for us. Uh, we relegated with Navi then. Afterwards, like I played Challenger League, uh, Orkless. And let me actually think about it. I think I got picked up like after the Challenger League from by G2. Yeah, it was. G yeah, it was I mean, just. Yeah, after, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, you went to OG. That was. I think that was that your first event with G2. That was the first yeah, like competition yeah, yeah, was OG. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. In Croatia. Yeah, it was a tough one. It was a tough one for G2 in OG. It was a tough one. I have no comments on this. I mean, feel free to chip in. <laughs> no. I mean, you were there, you know. <laughs> the, the funniest part is, uh, his name isn't Cryan, it's Kryn. Kryn. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll, oh, stick so. Kryn. Well, I'll stick with Kryn. I'll stick with Kryn. I mean, can we have that? Because this, this has been like, up in the air for a little bit in the EUL team. Let's 
have it directly from you. Is it Crin or Crine? It's Crine. It's Crine. I hate when people call me Crin. I hate right. it. Right. You see, now so Fabian's say, trolling. That's yeah. what we're no, getting. No, no. If, no, he's just, doing it on purpose. Say, he's doing it on purpose. Crin. If you say so. Right. No, okay. it's, it's Crin. I, I, oh, I, yeah. I, yeah. I missed that. Crin was uh, playing really well in the trials, like dropping 15 frags a game. and uh, Every game. Literally every game. Like we haven't seen a player do that well. Like we were when we were playing with Kanto, for example, in the beginning, Kanto was obviously the outstanding. He was already a star player at that point. But then we picked Crin and we gave him a trial. We, we only really trialed you as well. Um, obviously, you know you weren't the first choice. We sp we've spoken about that before. Um, no. The players that were our first and second choice, they weren't allowed to come with us, or tr to trial at least. So we trialed Crin. We felt it was a perfect fit, and it, we genuinely we played better Siege than we ever had. And I think you can agree on that. But then when it came to officials, there was something that just wasn't clicking. I think that you had nerves. I think that we as a team were also in a pressured position to perform because we obviously had been having a rough state and then things just didn't work out. I think that uh, we had, I was a super shitty teammate. That's something I've owned up to many times to everyone that asked me about it now. It's not something I would own up to back then. I think Nick was a really shitty teammate to Crin especially. And we put a lot of blame on him that wasn't necessarily on him, but it's easier to blame the new guy than it is to take self-responsibility in that situation. But then you also played really poorly. So it was like everything just aligned for it. What What's your perspective on that, Crying? Obviously, you know, the, the performances, yeah. like you said, they were difficult at OG. I was there casting it, um, you know, and it, it was tough to watch from from the outside as well because we knew that as a team you were much better than, than the performances we were getting necessarily. Um, you know, w was it the pressure? Was it nerves? What, what did you think was, was well, the big factor? I mean, obviously, um, nerves got me back then. Um, like Fabian said already, the scrims, like they were really, really good. Like the spirits were really good. Uh, we were all in a good mood and, but then it came to OGA pit. Obviously I was nervous. Um, we didn't play that good. And then, uh, I would say the environment changed a bit on stage and I wasn't used to it. Like it was, um, not like good spirits anymore and stuff. And it was too much for me. I can tell already. It was too early for me. Um, I had like really like not that much experience with that, and yeah, I couldn't handle the pressure at that moment. Okay, and I mean, we would just before we actually start with the podcast, you know, experience was something that we were talking about, and you know, like you say, it's maybe something that you just needed a bit more time for because at the time, obviously, you'd already uh, done a little bit in Challenge League at that point, and then we saw more Challenge League after. And you know, from my point of view, I've said it a few times on broadcast because I, I I was sort of casting Challenge League all through that period of time. That's where I was at, and for me you're one of the best Challenger League fraggers that I've watched like at Tier 2. And I kept saying coming into this, like you got picked up by G2. And then obviously there was chaos a little bit later on. And I'm like, no, you know, he's definitely going to go big on this stage. Right. Like it's, it's definitely coming because I'd seen so often, but there was just that little bit. It seemed like there was a difficulty in translating that to Tier 1 immediately. Uh, yeah. I mean, um, after I joined Chaos as well, um, how can I say it? Like chaos went downhill when I joined them already. Like there, there was no way um, we would have placed like really good with that team. Yeah. That's all I can say. Because like I tried my best in chaos, and if I like 
there were mental issues as well, like uh, being nervous and stuff. Because like in scrims, we didn't have issues as well. But like in officials, like I can tell people were nervous. And it's just really hard to play as a team if like people are nervous and like they can't handle the pressure. Yeah. I mean, then looking the- looking at the way you sort of went back and forward a little bit. So it was sort of Challenger League to G2 and then Chaos and back to Challenger League a bit. Do you think... That up and down was, and obviously you mentioned Navi as well. A lot of people will probably forget that you know there was there was that season that you played with Navi before they mm. picked up the M M&M and M roster. Has that up and down been? Do you think a positive or a negative for you? Is it you know something that's helped you along the way? I can I can tell already is it has it had a positive effect on me because uh, it humbled somebody. You know, it humbles me. Um, I can tell um that i learned a lot like especially my g2 time like even though like i played really poorly um i think i learned the most in that short time um there's always always room to improve and if you fail for example you want to improve even more and uh that happened to me when i relegated i said to myself i know i'm good i know i have the potential but like all i need to do is like put in the effort so for you, it was just about you felt that it was just more hard work, just, you know, more hours practice and, and just keep pushing through it. Yeah. And like, obviously, obviously um, being the right team. Yeah. I mean, obviously in a team of five, that's always going to be a big factor. And it, it's probably, you know, a good point to pass on to yourself, Fabian, as well. So with a similar question, really, because obviously you went through not necessarily the, the, the relegation element and, you know, sort of going from tier to tier, but the difficulties with G2 and, you know, what you took away from that. It's always about being in the right environment. As Karen said, our game environment in officials compared to practice have, I think it's always going to be different because for G2, it was always you come into this, we have fun in practice, but we still do it seriously. And then when it comes to match days, it's the most serious environment you'll ever be in. You will be shouted at if you didn't do what you were supposed to do. And uh, I think that when you go from a more relaxed environment and maybe where you are the star player, and then you come into a team like G2 where everyone else is a bigger star, you're going to have some issues with it. And I think that it's it's also, if you as a player are co- is comfortable, because for example, we take Krin in G2, he didn't get to play the role that he should play. Yeah, It was put in a position where he wasn't comfortable in the role, the team kind of wanted to put him in a position where we would all be comfortable, but he wouldn't. Because not, not that we wanted him to be uncomfortable, but we wanted him to be able to just fit into the slot that we had open, rather than just trying to shape a team around everyone else. So what you need to do in a team is just have a team that everyone feels happy with the way that they're playing. Everyone feels happy with the position they're playing. But also, I think a lot of teams needs to... Uh, basically just step up the environment when it comes to game days. And I, I know, for example, myself, I have been a major issue for, for G2 in the end of my career. And it's not something I'm going to hide from. I think it's it was a growing experience for me, just like it was for Kryn. And I think it, even if we had different experiences, I think we both grew from it. And then we'll see, obviously, the future for each and every one. But uh, I think every team you're in will grow you in a way or another. But then depending on which position you have and which kind of like position you have in the terms of mental part. Are you the star player? Are you a guy that shouldn't be doing that well, but you're just a player in the team? Where are you in that hierarchy? All of those things have an impact on you in the long term. And I, I mean, look at Kren. He's gone up and down, up and down, up and down. But he's always felt that he's never been the problem. And to be honest, it's not really been that way. He's always performed. 
And then when you keep getting chances and you keep getting picked up, eventually there's going to be a team where everything clicks and that's Rogue for him. Where you found it. I mean, you know, we'll get into, I don't want to get into to Rogue too much immediately now because obviously we'll speak about, uh, you know, the current situation a little bit later on. Um, but, you know, it, would you say that that's fair, Crying? Is that something that you feel now that you've just found that position where it's like, I'm actually playing the way that I want to, I'm in the role that I want to be in and everything's just clicking? Is that where you find yourself? 100 percent um the team believes in me i believe in my team um i think that's all that matters um it's most likely cry and do whatever you want and uh, that's it and like i am like i'm so comfortable in the team everybody is else is like everybody is happy in the team is that the sort of flexibility? Because, like I say, in my mind, I, when I think about it over the years, it's those Challenger League performances that I come back to, particularly, um, you know, I used to rave about you on Coastline. You'd play down in office, you'd play underneath Aqua, you're smiling <laughs> because you know you'd be down there, you'd be picking up four or five kills in a round. Nobody could move you from there. And, you know, was that maybe a freedom that you experienced in Challenger League as well, that it was just like, you know, you, you, you could just play where you wanted and, and do what you wanted? I like Challenger League is a different level, like the like gun skill wise and um, game sense wise, it's just different. You can you can get away with like so much shit you do, and like against T one teams you would get punished for it, but like it's it's not happening in Challenger League. Do you miss so, yeah. Do you miss Coastline in the map pool? I actually like it was my favorite <laughs> map. It was actually my favorite map. I'm so happy it's gone. Finally, not one for you. It's a non-strategical map completely. It doesn't have strats. <laughs> yeah, it's all about gun. It's and just it, gun skill. That's yeah. why Crying loved it because he could just get on there and yeah. run around and shoot people. But, but there, now that he goes on to that and say that there's this, this skill difference, it's one of those. Those is one of the reasons I think that Crying didn't maybe fit into G2 as much because we never were at that level. So we had a different expectations on ourselves mm. and the way that we played it, even in practice. You should play the way that you do in officials because when we go into an official, you'll get super punished. And we had the problem at that time, I think. We got a lot of players getting punished for free without us having an answer to it because I think we took practice a little bit uh, too relaxed. I think we were a bit too relaxed and therefore we never practiced for the high pressure moments. Mm. And why that came, I, I, I couldn't tell you, but uh, I think Krin might have more insight into that. But I think that... We didn't really practice like we played. So we didn't practice like we preached that we should play the game either. Yeah. Did, did, is that something that you picked up on then, Crying? When you went into the team, was it, you know, maybe more or less relaxed than you were expecting? Um, I actually can't really remember uh, about that. But all I can say, like, right now we have that issue in um, Europe, I would say. Okay. Um, people are... I don't know. People are trolling in scrims, and they don't play like they play on officials. Like everybody can tell. Uh, I don't think. I I have no clue why. Why they do this? Because like it's not helping, and uh, it's it shows on actually official day that um, they have no clue what to do. I don't know. Mm. It's 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 hilarious. I mean, obviously, you know. Varying sort of degrees of focus, um, you know, are going to be there for for different players. Everybody's going to like to practice in a different way. Looking looking at you personally, like what what's your view on like your practice sort of routine? You know, is the a bit of, you know is the things that you work on solo, like you know, particularly a mechanical skill or aim, or you know, what what's your, what's your process of practice and through scrims? 
It depends. Uh, for example, if I have a shit week when it comes to gun skill, obviously I focus on uh, my mechanics. Um, if I struggle to communicate, or, um, I focus on my communication. But like most likely, I always practice how I um, how I play in officials. I think that's the most important because like um, you have to you have to have the, this routine in the scrim and that you translate it to the officials, so you have no issues. When it's uh, when it comes to officials, you see a problem, you solved it already like 100 times in scrims. You have no issue solving it in officials. What you're saying is you're playing 100 hours of terrorist hunt because exactly. that's basically what the UL is looking for you right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like some 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 games are like this. Yeah. I mean, uh, looking we've we've dived sort of straight into the you know the heavy competitive stuff there. Just you know naturally went there with the G two and OGA. But looking a bit further back, obviously you said you started with Siege on console. You know, for maybe people who, who've not heard from you before, what what was it that attracted you to Siege? What you know, you went from CS:GO, as you said, there was issues there, so you decided to pick up Siege. But but what was it about the game that that brought you in, and what what kept you? What captured you? I mean, like. Everybody knows um, Rainbow is a unique game. Like the shit you can do, you can do. Like even though like punching the wall is just like unique. Punch out, for example. It, so much stuff you can do. Like the 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 tactical. Um, oh, how do you say that? I actually miss the English for, word. For like the destructibility, and for me, like that was one of the big things. Uh, like just being able to change lines of sight, and you know, really everything. Everything about Siege is unique. Like you can't compare it to any other game. I th yeah, that's it. I've I've never played a game with destruction like it, and like I've, I always come back like, to. Sorry, go go go. Like back in the days, like without like the cheater problem, I was like grinding this game ten hours per day every fucking day with my friends and because you are so you are getting addicted to this game so hard i think it's just because it it's there's there is in a way a repetition because you're playing on the same maps you know it's the same objective you to a degree it's the same with any fps you know you're going to go through that same process but for me it's just the million different ways that you can do something you've got a problem in front yeah. of you there's you can just a hundred a million of that you know there's so many different ways the the example i always give people when they say to me like sell siege to us in 30 seconds what what is so great about it i go back to um i think it was the i think it was at the raleigh major team the the diffuse where it was either shoots out the wall yeah he's in archives oh, yeah. on bank shoots out the wall with the yeah, shot just yeah. takes one shot leon's upstairs and there was just nothing that they could do about it to stop him disabling the diffuser from there. And that, for me, just sums up Siege beautifully. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just you can do whatever you want to do. You shape the map whatever shape you want it to have. And your strategical approach to it can really be different from day to day and also from team to team. And you do what you want. That's it. Like, there's nobody telling you what to do. And, I mean, you started on console, crying. Which console are we talking I was a, I was a console player to PlayStation, start with. PlayStation, of course. Yeah, I mean, same. I, of I started out. I started out there as well. How long were you playing for before you made the switch over to PC? And Oof. was there any competitive play in there, or was it just ranked? Um, I mean, like back, back in the days, it was like go for. Like I was, I was like first of all playing two years on console. I'm not not too sure. Two years. Oh, quite I guess. A while. So you must have, you must have been a bit of a menace on the sticks then, 
crying. You you know. I was actually like I was actually inside. I was champion number one. I was the spoiled on console. Really big claims. Yeah. <laughs> like I was like I was buying monster from the gas stage for my ranked sessions every day. <laughs> there is something wrong with you. That's for sure. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> was there any console go for wins? That's the big question. Obviously, like I want every uh, go for. Really? There we go. You were the guy in the rank lobby who said, go win a go for no, or, no name. <laughs> Randy. I had it in my bio. Yeah. I had it in my bio. Were you a straight 18 up? times go for winner. Were you a straight up Ash Jäger main? Were you Jäger ACOG? I was, yeah. No, actually, I was smoke main. Uh, SMG ACOG back in the day. Oh. oh, that's the best one. Is that the one you'd bring back? Uh, anything for smoke SMG 11 ACOG. Jesus. What I would do for that, that with, with the old recoil weapon. as well, with the old SMG yeah, recoil. Yeah, it was just it was a laser gun. It was the best. No, I understand why you didn't even need FMG. Like who? I remember back yeah. in the days, nobody touched that gun because the SMG 11 was just miles better, and you never had to use the shotgun either because the SMG 11 was the best gun in the game. Yeah. I mean. Looking through, you've moved then over onto PC. How long did it take you to to settle down on PC? Because a question that I get quite a lot is, you know, people coming into it and how do I get into competitive? What do I do? You know, what was the process there for you going from the GoFors on console to effectively then becoming a, a competitive PC player? I obviously, um, I switched with my team, like White Tigers back in the days, and it, it's all about scrimming. Uh, you scrim like better teams, you learn from that, you see what they are doing, um, you adapt, you use it for your own good, and then um, you just try to improve. Like practice, 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 practice. And like it took me one year to uh, join a product team after I switched to a PC. I mean, that's that's pretty good going, really, uh, to get to that point. I mean, you, I'd ask the same question of yourself, Fabian, as well. For for all the time we've spent chatting about different things, it's something that I've never spoken to you about, is is your route into competitive and how, how you found yourself there. I got tricked by the E3 trailer. Um, <laughs> they had this E3 trailer where you... I remember it. I remember it. Onto from, the roof of house. Yeah, I remember it. Rappled down from a helicopter, and I was like, oh, yeah, I need to play this game. <laughs> uh, I bought the game, and you... Never rappled down from a helicopter, so I feel like I got bamboozled. Um, I used to play strategy games, which is kind of an odd way into it, right? The 4X strategy games, like grand strategy games, and I guess that's where me having like 5 IQ more than the 10 that every other siege, or siege professional player has got. Kappa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's rude. No, but uh, I come from strategy games. It's, uh, it's just my way in. I, I think that what Kryan said with scrims is very interesting because it's like when you come over from whatever platform you're playing on and you go into practicing against proper teams, I tell you that in one day of practices against, if you're tier four or tier five against a tier three team, you'll learn more in that day of practice than you'll do in a month of rank, if that's even enough. And then if you're a tier three team or even a tier five team, one map of practice can really just put you in a position to be like, I need to look what they're doing and I need to see what are we doing different. A, a tier four team practicing against a tier one team, that usually doesn't happen because tier one teams doesn't want to waste their time. But if you get the opportunity, you will learn so much by studying those three maps that you play in a practice that one one day of practice against a tier one team will give you more learning stuff than, I don't know, a year of ranked, I'd say. You can spend the entire year in ranked and you'll learn no, absolutely nothing. But a week of practice, a day of practice even, gives you so much. 
it's funny that you say i mean i've not really done much competitive myself but having done a few scrims and i'm talking like really low level scrims but just the difference it's amazing the difference of going in there with a team structured approach like that like you say the amount that you pick up um you know so quickly is 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 surprising really when you do do that um Crying, looking at, uh, at Siege as a whole and your career as a whole, what are the big standout moments for you? You know, if there's a couple of moments there where you've really felt like, you know, I'm on top here, this is this has been fantastic. You know, what, what are the big memories for you from your competitive career? I mean, my favorite moments, obviously, were um, when I joined G2 and when I um, won against Team Liquid on my first Invitational. Like in... Uh, in the group place, yeah. What do you remember about that game? Uh, um, because like we were like the underdog, obviously nobody uh, thought we we're gonna win against Team Liquid, and then we won against Team Liquid, and like we were shouting, even though like it was only like in the group. Um, but yeah, it, it was just awesome, and like meeting all the all the all the star players uh, in invitationals because like you only see them through your monitor you know and then yep. all of a sudden it's real you you see them you actually like compete with them it was such an awesome experience it's funny that you say that because i think that's that's a feeling that i actually quite share it seems like so for me um I, I've always seen everything around me and I've said this to other people before. I've sort of seen it through a fan's eyes because that's how I came into it. Like, I was sat on my couch at home with XR Troika and like we, you know, we went to 2019 Invitational and we were there. For, yeah, we were, you, you were there. Yeah, I remember I you there. being there. I've got <laughs> the photographs, but we went there as fans. Like literally, you know, it was, we rented an Airbnb. We met some other guys and we went out there and, and so I've never really stopped looking at it that way. And it sort of seems like it's a little bit the same for you you that you know do you still get that you turn up and you're like oh my god that's nesco over there yeah. like, you know yeah. that's yeah you're the star now yeah. no you shouldn't feel that's, that way this is it and people like want a photograph with me and i'm like what do you want a photograph with me for like crying's over there or fabian's over there and it's yeah it's it's still kind of bizarre uh, i think i don't think you should you should think that way that you are the star <laughs> um i think you will get an ego out of, out of that um, oh no my problem <laughs> it, coming back it, to it, me. It, it, it will just have negative effects on you. It's just my opinion. And I've got to ask, I'm going to ask both of you this question. What is it like? What are the memories? What is it like playing against Nesk? Because obviously we've heard the fate. I think it was, I could be right. I think it was like, and said Don't it. remind me of that, please. There we go. That's the reaction I wanted. I think it was Lycan who said it. If you've never been run over by an ESC online, then you've never played online, basically. like You've not had the proper LAN event experience until you've had that treatment from Nesk. Is it really... If he's if he's on his game, is it really that crazy to play against? I'll let you start. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. Obviously, uh, yeah, they smashed us, and I played bad. But it didn't feel like, oh... He's so good. I I don't have a chance. It was just like it was like first first game vibes. I would say um, I couldn't hit any shots. But it was like they they played normal siege. They played good siege, yeah, and they they hit their shots. But like for me, it it was nothing crazy. I I, I can't say that there's any player that I've turned up on against the server and been like, oh yeah, that guy is amazing the only time that i've caught myself out with doing something silly is we played bank against face and this was grand final of uh, the rio de janeiro 
Pro League okay, event. Yeah, yeah, the Pro League final. I called Asterisk Garage. That's the first and only time that I've said a name rather than a, this operator. <laughs> operator. And <laughs> it's the only time I've done it as well because I realized, like, why would I say that? And then the next round when he came there, I, I slaughtered him on the SMG 11. It was bank basement. I was playing smoke in, in lockers and I completely just took his hat off. And you can't respect the player. To, well, you need to respect the player, but you cannot respect them to the degree where they get you into your hat. You can't be yeah. afraid of them, right? You can't and be afraid exactly. of them. If I look at the first time I played Nesk, everyone, the, the, this is back in Catalyst year two, season one. So this is back in Stone Ages. But he was known as the star player for that team already back then, and and we just studied how he played, and then we completely crushed him. He had no chance. And it's not so much about going in against the server. You, you, when you go on a server, you always know there's going to be one guy or two guys that can hit those shots. Yeah. I mean, for example, when you play against Rogue, Kryn is one of them. Kryn, sorry, not Kryn. Kryn. We've got him. We've got him, Kryn. Uh, yeah, we've so, got him. <laughs> I can't say that word on the... <laughs> no, but uh, it's like... You have these players that you know will hit their shots, but that's their job. Their job is to hit shots. And then you have those players that will structure these players to be able to hit shots. So you might not, a player that goes on the server against me might not be ever afraid of me hitting my shots. And they sh probably shouldn't be because mechanically I'm usually weaker. But it's my job to make those good, talented players be in the right position to get those kills to begin with. And if they are not in the right position, so it's basically like a symbiosis between two, two players. You need a player that guides these good fraggers into the right positions and can help them become even better. Because if you look at teams that don't use their drones, <coughs> G2, and then you look at teams that do, you'll see that fraggers in those teams are really performing and they're playing off each other. Looking at Rogue, for example, they're playing a really heavy, like aggressively concept but they're all doing it at the same time even if they're doing it on different positions they're all doing it at the same time and trying to coordinate that and it's working but you look at those teams that do everything on their own they're not working so when you go up against a team that you know will have those fraggers you can't fear them but you know what they will do they will kill you and you're just gonna have to accept it but sometimes you'll kill them back and in the end it's about winning the rounds looking um... i say this oh sorry no no go go I say this a lot of time, uh, a lot of times. Uh, you can be the best player in the world in theory, but like if you're mental not confident and if you're on in your own abilities, um, you will fail. I feel, like I, mental in this game is such a huge fa huge factor. I feel like that might be my problem in ranked. No, you're just bad. <laughs> <laughs> Fabian's had the pleasure of playing a couple of ranked games with me, and I. <laughs> But this is this is just a little story. I remember playing. We um, we played a couple of games. We played on one on course line. That's the game that I need to mention. Um, so Fabian and I hadn't played in rank before, and I, I mean I'm not the best player. I'll make it into plat most seasons, but you know the, what I know about the game far exceeds my ability of being able to actually click on heads. So it's difficult. Um, but we were we were playing a couple of rank games, and Fabian came. I don't know who you said it to, but Fabian came away and asked somebody else. Do you think I could criticize Ace? Do you think he'd be okay with it? Do you think he could like can he take it kind of thing? Because I'd <laughs> I'd put a Selma charge on the wrong part of the wall, um, the service wall from main lobby and course line through into service. Um and that was uh, that was our first time playing ranked. But I am very open to criticism. Yeah, I mean I asked because that <laughs> comes with being somewhat changed of a person, right? If yeah. if you would have been playing with me back in 2018, I would have been like, 
What the hell are you doing? How are you thinking? This nightmare is coming back for crying. Look. Because he threw a salmon charge on the right so side, of, or the left side of oh, his left side first. Yeah. And then he threw it on the right side, which meant the guy obviously could run away from Freezer. But if I would have given my criticism, <laughs> he throws it on the right side first, so the guy moves onto the left side. And then when he throws it on the left side, he has to run away, but he exposes himself. And that's why I asked, how will Ace react to criticism <laughs> if I give it to him? Because obviously I'm not going to shout at you. I'm just going to tell you, if you do this instead, you'll have higher success. But not everyone reacts well to that. No. Back in the good old days, I wouldn't give a single, I can't say those words on, <laughs> on the podcast, but I wouldn't give a single one about your opinion about it. But I would just say, it, why are you doing that? And then you could react however you want, and I would move on. But now it's, you know, you get older, you get more washed this up. Is actually, this is actually a good point still. Um, being able um, to get, like, criticism. Like, a lot of people, like, in Europe, uh, if, they, like, if you criticize them, they will get mad. And, like, that's just, like, the, the wrong mentality. Because like you are not always like right. You're always like I said before. There's always room to improve. And some people they see your mistakes, they will point it out, and you just move on. I would say, but like it's just like um, a childish mindset. I think that that probably plays into uh, you know I'm not commenting on on what it's like to play competitive in other games, but I think it's uh, that's probably something that's really important in Siege as well because. Like you said, you know, the whole reason you pick the game up is because there's so much variety to it. There's so many different ways to do things. And if you get to that point where you think, I know everything here, you know, I know what's best to do in every situation, that's when you're going to have problems, you know, because like you say, yeah. you've got to be open to understanding that there's just, there's there's so many different ways, you know, that there's always something that you can learn. But um, I mean, bringing it back to to your current position now, obviously at Rogue, Things are going pretty well, I think it's fair to say. Um, it all started off, um, for me, obviously, you had a couple of stages last year, but then we had a bit of a breakout performance at the Sweden Major. What what was that sort of like for you? I mean, like, we prepped actually really good for the Sweden Major. Uh, and I would say we had, like, really, really good discipline, I would say. Um, our, our staff, like, had, um, made, like, Good work as well uh, provided us with all the information we needed and then we played good siege like we practiced a lot uh we took the practice really serious uh we focused on our mistakes and we showed up i mean i remember being there and obviously i had the pleasure of casting a few of your games as well and it, it was clear that something had just clicked in sweden it was like you know obviously there'd been a bit of a build-up to it and then I spoke to me, Pete. It's funny that you mentioned like the preparation and everything. We were um, flying from the UK, so we bumped into me, Pete, at the airport, and we had a little bit of a chat, um, which is where I always incidentally tend to see you crying. I think I've, I've I always seem to bump into you at the airport on the travel on the way there. I remember that <laughs> OGA Pit. I, yeah. I actually not to sidetrack everything, but I think I got served with Fabian's burger as well. They served us like they served it the wrong way around, and they just made a complete mess up of it at the airport. But anyway, um, yeah. So it was. It, and that was it. It was clear from speaking to him how much work and preparation and time had gone into it. Um, and is, is that then, you know, I assume a mentality that's just continued forward. And 
it feels like you've gone to strength to strength from there. Is that what it's been like within the team as well? Or has there been sort of any speed bumps along the way where you've had a bit of a setback? Or Yeah, I mean, for example, um, last stage, I had a little burnout. Uh, I got, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I was, I, I was tilting in scrims a lot. Um, because like I didn't have a proper break, I would say, uh, for a long time. And I think, uh, it's unhealthy if you like grind, 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 and you don't have a balance with it. Um, so yeah, I had like that little burnout, but like, uh, it changed. I, I'm reformed and uh, now it's like, it's, it's getting better. That's what all the toxic players says. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me now. I'm doing exactly the same. <laughs> no, but like, um, it's, you have to be honest with yourself. Um, sometimes you tilt, um, and if people are pointing that out, you need to say, yeah, I fucked up and I'm sorry, I will fix that. And then you move on and you will try your best after that. I mean, looking at the last couple of weeks, obviously a great couple of results for you coming in now in stage two. You're looking absolutely fantastic, uh, you know, going towards definitely a major spot looking on the cards at this point. Spite has come in. Um, how, has, how has that impacted the team? How's, how's the feel of things at the minute in the team? Uh, this kid is correct, what can I say? Uh, he's just <laughs> correct. Um, like, honestly, um, when we first mentioned him i was like i'm not too sure about him uh, because like he has like zero experience and from what i experienced uh, in ranked against him he was a bit toxic and stuff but like um nothing nothing of that um happened actually and he he really impressed me with like his communication his positive vibes his grinding mentality and obviously like he's really mechanically gifted um he just had positive impacts on the team so far. I mean, like we are, we are really like confident in him, in him, and in his abilities, and I think like he just shows as well that that he can do it against every team. I want to give you your moment here, Crying, and I'm sure it's you may not look at the stats yourself. It, you know that might be. I know some players avoid them. Some players like to check them the minute that they've finished in the game. Everybody's different, but you know you're saying Spite is cracked, but you're the top-rated player at the minute on Rogue. You're leading in kills. You know what? Is has there been something this stage that's particularly just really, you know, this is it for you, where you you just really seem to be hitting that peak? Um, not really, because. When we had, for example, Aces in the team, Aces was playing this role. And I always thought uh, I can play this role as well. And, and now I'm playing this role and I can show what I can do. So it's like no surprise for me. Uh, obviously, yourself, Fabian, we watch a lot of EUL as well. You know, what what are your thoughts on, on Rogue at the minute and the change with Spite and the switch around for, you know, Crying, as he says, in his position, you know, playing in that role now? I mean, I think it's the first time Crying gets to play his role in T1 because this is what I said we had his problems with as well, right? We didn't try to fit in Kryn as the player that he is in the role that we want, like he wanted to play. We tried to fit him into a role where he was uncomfortable. And that showed on the entire team and on him. And then we go into previous Rogue. He also was in that role, but he was performing better. He's always been able to play whatever you, he kind of wants to in Challenge League, or at least that's the impression I've gotten, because you have the personality to kind yeah. of just take control of that situation. But now you get to play it in a tier one level with a team that all five players have the mentality 
to uh, to play the same way. I'll be honest with you and say that, like for example, sports fitting into Rogue, I think, is an easier time solely based on if you don't have the experience and you're a ranked player, it's easier to slot into a very aggressive team than it is to slot into a very structured and very disciplined team. So I think for sports, for example, this is a perfect team for him. So right now, Rogue have basically five players that all fit the bill of what they want to play. I think Leon might be a bit off role in terms of, oh yeah, maybe he shouldn't be its support, but he seems to be inventing a way of playing it that fits him while at the same time also he's not really a support because he plays very aggressive on the role so even if we say he has a support player he's rogue doesn't seem to really have a support they all have good guns and they put they, they are inventing the game in a new way that we haven't seen in a long time and I just feel like they have all the right people in the right spots. They have the right staff. I have worked with Tristan myself, which is their analyst. I know yep. how much work he puts in. I know Meepy, obviously, from playing with, with not with him, but against him for, I feel like, 100 years. They just have all the players and the right people. That's it. Simply put, I think Rogue is the team that has the right people in every single spot in comparison to every other UL team. There's not one where I can sit there and say, yeah, that guy would be better playing with these guys. Yeah. Every single player in Rogue is the one that should be on that spot. Mentioning the backroom staff as well is is an interesting one. Just to touch on uh, crime, we've spoken um, with you throughout this about you know experience, attitude, um, you know mentality. Obviously, Rogue um, have done some work with Bernadette, and we've seen the progress of that over the months, over the year. Um, you know, is that something that's benefited? But you personally, as a player, do you think you know? Do you feel you've taken a lot from that sort of mental coaching side of things as well? It's so underrated. Like I can only say to everybody, like get a mental coach. Uh, they will always like keep you in check. Like if you, for example, have like a rough week, you can like you can always sit her up. Like you can always ask her, "Yo, do you have time for a meeting? You just talk about everything you have in your mind." Uh, they will like one hundred percent fix it. It's like it's just benefiting you. It's it's really really good. Should have had one in G two when we were there, shouldn't we? Oh, yeah, <laughs> one one million percent. Feels bad, man. Sounds like they might have been busy. <laughs> uh, we had mental issues, but I think every team does, especially when you go from the top to the bottom like that. We yeah. really had a fall off, and we needed one. Should have had one. Um, I mean, looking more towards the future as well, Crime, it's it's looking pretty bright at the minute. Um, you know, good results so far. What, you know, over over the, the rest of this season, so, you know, looking towards Invitational 2023, realistically, what are the goals now within the team? Is it just straight out the focus is on getting to Invitational and winning it? Or is it a bit shorter term than that? Is it just focused on the major? You know, how, how does that work? I mean, um, you have like different goals within the team some some persons like want to reach top four some want to play um win the major for me it's like always getting first always win the major always win the invitationals i think like you should have like high goals like the highest goals possible because you you need to stay hungry all the time to improve so i mean but like obviously the the goal is to qualify for invitationals and obviously win it so and I, I think mean, like we have we we have good chances, even though like people are saying yeah we will have maybe issues uh, international, but I thought I don't think like uh, people are ready for us. I'm looking forward to seeing Rogue internationally. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys against you know some of the some of the best teams from around the world now. Um, is there anybody out there that 
I'm not going to say that you're scared of because I know they won't be. Um, is there anybody that you that you sort of think we'd love to play then? Like that's you know that's the competitive challenge. That's we'd love to go up against that team at the minute. Um, yeah, some Ledham teams because they play like um, a similar style, really mm. aggressive. So it's like just like who's better on the day, like uh, Ganske wise. Somebody um, like a W7M wise. maybe. Yeah, for example, they are pretty good so far. Well, this is it. A lot of people, you know, don't necessarily know what to expect from them. You know, it's the, they've sort of exploded onto the scene and it's all gone a bit crazy. They have been going crazy. But I, th I think that the, the, the rogue structure would beat a Brazilian team right now. Uh, but I, I, the way I see it is I don't think that their playstyle is going to be an issue when it comes to best of ones. I think when it comes to best of threes, that's where Rogue might struggle because I think that if you read into the, the regression and you kind of figure out how they're playing aggressively, I think there are counters to it. I'm obviously not going to mention them. You teams have to pay me to do that and you guys can all pick me up. I'm available. Um, <laughs> I think that there are ways to counter it, but I think you need to know about it beforehand and I think it's... I think Rogue is one of those teams that you can study them and figure out their tendencies, and that's what's going to be the, the problem for them. Mm. But I think that short term and best of ones, you don't really have the time to f adapt all of these things. So it's best of threes I want to see them perform in. If they do and they prove me wrong, I'll be wrong. I don't really care. I'll be happy for them. I'll be happy for Crin especially. And then after that, it's just show them, show the world what they got. That's all they have to do. I'm sure that it's coming. Um, Crime, we're going to be wrapping it up um, any minute now. I, I want to say thank you for, you know, sharing your experiences with us. You know, for I'm sure for, for everybody watching, it's going to be fascinating. You know, it's we don't always know the backstory behind every player and how they've got to where they are, but especially for new players coming along who are maybe thinking about going into competitive and, you know, showing that it's not all ups sometimes there are downs and you know you, you're honestly with that sort of stuff has been uh been really fascinating as well but i'll put you on the spot a little bit to finish off you know if there was if there was one thing one bit of advice that you could give to somebody coming through who's thinking i want to be there i want to be sat in in crying's chair i want to be playing at that level what what would be that advice um always be open to criticism from like other people um grind grind your ass off because like uh, nothing is for free and try to improve every day that's it and if you do this if you do this uh you can reach the top you can get to where you want to be any last words fabian no no excellent i thought they wouldn't be well thank you very much for coming on the prep phase we really appreciate you being here crying it's been an absolute pleasure we'll give you the usual spotlight that we do at the end any message for the rogue fans i know they love it uh thanks for supporting us uh like the whole organization is appreciating it even though like we had uh, rough times you are still sticking to us so huge thank you well thank you very much and we will wrap up and the obviously oh, sorry. go on go on no no you get sorry. yourself back in and thanks uh for having me obviously i enjoyed it oh no no trouble it's you know we're happy to have you and like you say it's you know it's a great opportunity um for us as well we you know we don't always get too much of a chance we get you know five minutes each week if you win and if you yeah. do the interview and then maybe at the airport on our way to an event so it's nice to have an opportunity to actually sit and chat for an hour so thank you very much crying for giving us the time that's going to end it thank for you. um the interview here with uh, the prep phase we're going to have plenty more coming so make sure to check those out in future as well
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 